Welcome to the 15th Club with your hosts, Ed Clements and Scotty Sayers. Ed and Scotty will bring you up to date on all the big news in the world of golf every Saturday on News Radio KLBJ. I'm Ed Clements along with Scotty Sayers, and welcome to the 15th Club on KLBJ Radio, live at the world famous Deep Eddy Cabaret on Lake Austin Boulevard, where we have golfers here, we have swimmers here, we have all sorts of circus like people here <laughs> at the cabaret this afternoon. Our show proudly brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance, ABC Bank, the Salt Lake Barbecue, the Naughty Deck and Bar at the Austin Renaissance Hotel. Maudie's Tex-Mex, where I was last night, the Muni Conservancy, Adele Golf, Donald Ross Sportswear, and we're wearing our brand new 15th Club shirts today. Come and see us. And by Zilker Belt. Scotty, good afternoon. Happy Saturday. It was a hot one today. I played 18 holes at Barton Creek and had a blast with Ferris Clements, nine holes with Betsy, but it was hot out there. It was plenty hot. Uh, I was over at Muni this morning with our friend Ben Crenshaw doing some work. Uh, for the Texas Golf Hall of Fame and the Black Golf Hall of Fame where Carl Jackson's going to be inducted. Well, really? And, great. Yeah, it's a great honor for Carl. You know, you talk about a circus atmosphere in here. You talk about the two clowns at the golfer's yeah, round table. You got that or, right. Or, look, there's golfers over here that have just come off the golf course. Great place to come in and have a cold is, beer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about watching the tournament from pebble beach you know there's not a lot of people that i know of to root for you know scotty it's an interesting deal uh we had some local uh local young ladies playing the golf tournament yeah they're, they're playing the u.s women's open at pebble beach and by the way jeff shackleford our great friend golf architect architect and writer from the quadrilateral will be calling soon to talk golf but yeah they're playing the u.s women's open at pebble beach and right now Bailey Tardy. I don't know who Bailey Tardy is. I think she's, she's from Georgia. Well in the 100s on the world ranking. She's at minus yeah. 7. They're playing the John Deere Classic up in uh, Illinois. And right now, play is finished for the day. Brendan Todd is at minus 16. Then a whole host of golfers are at minus 15. Alex Smalley, Denny McCarthy, and Adam Sheck. And the brother of Johnny Quest, one of the great, great shows from our youth. <laughs> no. Peter Quest is Come at on. minus 14. It's not spelled Q-U-E. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and he finished fourth way. last week. He so did. Give him a break. Well, he's, he's, he's got something like one, two, he's got eight straight rounds in the 60s. He Monday qualified a week ago, and he's shot in the 60s since then. His name is Peter Quest, brother of Johnny Quest. <laughs> well, okay. Friend of Haje okay. of Johnny Quest. Uh, okay. And then there's a live tournament in London. Yeah, at their play at the Centurion Club. Cam Smith, last year's British Open winner, is at minus 12. Louis Oosthuizen, Mark Leishman, Thomas Peters are at minus 9. Patrick Reed is at minus 8. Our friend Sergio Garcia is at minus 4. They're playing at the Centurion Club in London. That's a question I'm going to have for Jeff. How many of these live players can play in next week's Scottish Open and then in the British Open. And speaking of Jess Shackelford, let's go to our 15th Club Live line. He's in Los Angeles. Uh, you saw him on TV a lot uh, about, oh, three or four weeks ago. He helped redesign L.A. Country Club and, of course, writes the quadrilateral great writer. Uh, our friend Jeff Shackelford. Jeff, just let me say congratulations on the U.S. Open. I love what you and Gil did to the golf course. Congratulations. I thought it was a wonderful U.S. Open. Well, thanks, Ed. Yeah, so did we. The, the course uh, played really well. It was uh, a tough one to set up, you know, without having any tournaments there. I think we discussed that even on the show that, 
uh, you just it's tricky. And then with the marine layer and the sun, uh, you just it, you have to be careful not to let it get out of control. And they they were a little cautious the first day, and the scores were <laughs> incredible. Uh, and the greens were perfect from beginning of the day to the end of the day. And uh, so, yeah, no, I was thrilled with the way they set it up and, and the way it played and the options the guys had and, and some of the, com- the, the, the complaints were made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they, were, they were the kind of things you would expect to hear from a few point missers. But all in all, the guys were really uh, pretty complimentary and uh, Ricky and Rory, uh, Rory McElroy and Obviously, Wyndham Clark was uh, loved it, and uh, and he got there early and did uh, did his homework, and it paid off. I, I love the risk reward shots, the the short par fours. I thought it was just flat out tremendous. I know there was some blowback about the short par four, but it was so darn fun to watch and see how all these professionals attacked it. Well, it was, uh, you know, I don't know how to, to gauge if it's a success, but what I do know is that uh, nobody had a blueprint on how to play it. Everybody had a different philosophy. And the guy, some of the guys played uh, some shots I didn't expect to, to, to kind of lay up and attack it, and uh, that was cool, too. So, you know, 10 at Riviera now, which is beloved as a short par four, everybody kind of tries to play it the same way, and it's kind of weird. This was this was really cool that this uh, Everybody just had a philosophy, and they approached it, and uh, it, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Uh, but I was astounded how well, I mean, the greens were just bricks, and how well the guys held the green. I'm, I'm still scratching my head over that. I, I kind of, I don't want to sound like Frank Hannigan in the late 80s, but it did make me wonder about the grooves, because uh, they were hitting some unbelievable shots, the greens that, that I walked on, and they were hard as a rock. Jeff, we're kind of in no man's land right now with the John Deere Classic going on. Not a very good field. The live golfers are playing in London. Dang good field. And it's a it's a it's a good field, certainly compared to the to what's going on at John Deere. Uh, you're going over to the Open Championship at Liverpool. Tell us, are the are any live golfers going to be eligible for the Scottish Open, which is now a regular tour event for the PGA Tour and the DP Tour. Are you? Uh, are any of the live players going to be eligible to play next week in the Scottish Open? No, no. They're uh, but but they will be. Uh, obviously, the ones who have a spot in the Open Championship are eligible to play. And uh, I don't know the exact number, but th- there's a decent number, and they're going to have a nice week off to prepare and it'll be interesting to see you know at LA Country Club for the US Open I mean Phil Mickelson and Bryson uh, set up shop out there and they were really grinding. Brooks Kepka of course rolled in on Monday and was annoyed at, at blind shots and he played nine holes each day and uh, <laughs> didn't do any old work but yeah the live guys were were, uh, were there early and, and I suspect they'll do the same thing at Hoy Lake and it'll be interesting to see if it, it pays off. But of course, Wyndham Clark was also did the same thing and, um, and he won and, and, uh, Rory came in on Monday and I walked with him actually and, and he, he learned the course fast. So you, you just don't, it's hard to tell at this point, but, um, I, I, I'm not wild about the Scottish being a great prep for the, for Hoy Lake because it's, a uh, it's just a very different kind of links course, so 
uh, we'll see how that how that works for the guys. But um, yeah, what you should be watching are the women at Pebble Beach. The sun is out, the wind is blowing, and it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a lively weekend there. Even though you may not know who some of these people are, uh, it, it's just you can't take your eyes off Pebble Beach when the sun is out in the summertime. Jeff Shackelford is with us from the Quadrilateral, and uh, of course he's a wonderful architect. I share your opinion on uh, the Scottish Open. Scotty and I were lucky enough to be there a few years ago, and we went to the Scottish Open at the Renaissance Club. And granted, that that week we played Gullen, we played North Berwick, and I'm walking on the Renaissance and I'm going, what's the deal? This is not really a Scottish golf course. What do you think about the Renaissance Club, Jeff? Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, Beautiful piece of property. I don't, you know, they had some some uh, permitting issues for, to get some of the ocean holes to work. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know why it came together the way it did, but um, it's, it's a tough test. It'll be, yeah, it's still better than playing an inland course to, uh, to get ready for Lynx golf. You're still going to have some shots that, that are reminiscent. But Hoylake is kind of more along the lines of St. Andrews in that it's, it's probably the more low-profile subtle, quieter little bumps and, and, and uh, hollows and rolls. And, and Renaissance has got some pretty, uh, you know, severe greens. So it'll be, uh, again, you're over there, you're getting acclimated. For some people, that's just all it's about, is just getting getting acclimated uh, because they don't play that kind of golf on the on the PGA Tour very much. And uh, Although it was fun to hear guys at, at, at L.A. Uh, Country Club compare that to kind of the sand belt and, I even heard the Lynx word a few times, which was probably to people watching from afar sounded crazy because it's a green inland course. But uh, it played firmer than it probably looked. Yeah, Renaissance, if, if some of our listeners don't know, is a Tom Doak design right next to Muirfield. And so it's a, it's a pretty good distance to get over to Hoy Lake from there. And I, I assume the field, though, will be pretty darn good for the Scottish Open think, leading into the British. Jordan's there, Ricky's there, you know, Justin Thomas, all the all the rat packs there. Don't you think there'll be a good field, field Jeff? Oh, they got a great, no, they got a great field. Genesis is a uh, great sponsor. Everybody gets a beautiful uh, uh, car and they have great food. I mean, they are probably, uh, arguably maybe the best sponsor on the tour right now. So that, that makes it very easy for the guys uh to uh, to make the trip and it's uh, there are worse places in the world to be than than East Lothian <laughs> in in July. Boy, it's beautiful and Ed's going to tell a story after you're gone. So be sure and listen the last half hour about his adventures oh, in yes. East Lothian with yes. Jimmy Walker. With Jimmy Walker, my yeah. friend Jimmy Walker inviting <laughs> in, in, in involving fine wine. I'll yeah. have to tell you that. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. And Jeff, after I also want to talk to you about your book, Golf Architecture for Normal People which is uh, probably rocketing up the bestseller list. I know it's sold out and already in a second printing. For sure, I love it. I've read it, read through it twice. And then I want to talk about the weather at Hoy Lake and who your favorites are. This is the okay. 15th Club on KLBJ. We'll be back in a few minutes with Jeff Shackelford. This is Omar Uresti. You're listening to Austin's only golf show, The 15th Club, with Ed Clemens and Scotty Sayers on KLBJ. Thank you, Omar Uresti. Omar played with Rory 
uh, a few weeks ago. He was a late entry on a PGA Tour. We talked about him last week at the uh, the Muni Firecracker Open Champions Dinner. He told that story about playing with Rory. Welcome back to the 15th Club on KLBJ Radio, live from the Deep Eddy Cabaret on Lake Austin Boulevard. Our show proudly brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance and by ABC Bank. Our very special guest is golf writer and architect Jeff Shackelford. Hey, Jeff, let's talk for a minute about your book, Golf Architecture for Normal People, which is now available on Amazon. Uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about what this book is supposed to do as far as enhancing your golf experience. Well, thanks, Scotty. Yeah, no, it was just uh, a book done because uh, we have uh, so much interest in course design now, and, you know, I'd heard for so long from people uh, about wanting to read something but not wanting to get too deep into the weeds and read the stuff that, that you and Ben and I like to read <laughs> uh, and, and something a little more fun and to give them some uh, ability to make an argument for a course they like or don't like. And uh, it just kind of really uh, started from there. And, and I, I had been kind of whittling down because I get asked the question a lot, you know, how to judge a course and what do you look for and, um, and so I, I kind of came up with a system, <laughs> uh, which I don't really like to do, but you know, when you get to a certain point, your memory can only remember so much. And, uh, and that was the idea was to come up with a few key, just three simple questions that kind of speak to all the things that really add up to a great, uh, I, I shouldn't even say great design, but a, a fun design, a good design, you know, the course rankings have kind of, they're so elitist and, they they leave so many places sort of behind or or uh, ignore um, what's a good solid functional fun golf course that may not you know tickle the the panelists but it it works and so um, trying to kind of tap into all that and and uh, highlight you know also the other cool thing going on in the game is the emphasis on fun instead of rankings and ratings slope and. All that stuff and the, and the hard numbers. It's uh, it's a great time. So the response has been been really exciting, and uh, it kind of confirmed I think what we know, which is people want to they want to know just enough to be dangerous. Well, we appreciate your mentioning uh, Lions Municipal in the book, and also Butler Park, which your dad had a lot to do with here in Austin, which is full of people every day yeah, of the week. Yeah, hearing great things. It is. It's just. It's great on the weekends uh, and weekdays. I mean, from dawn till dusk. Let me ask you about Hoy Lake. How's the weather been over in uh, the, on the western coast of England this year, and and what's it going to be like for the British Open? Well, it's going to be interesting. I, I, they had a really dry spring, and it was starting to shape up to be a uh, almost like 2006 all over again. But then they've they've lately they've had a decent amount of rain. I know you've been paying attention at all the Wimbledon. <laughs> they may yeah. be playing for about two more weeks at Wimbledon. They're not having much uh, luck. Uh, so I know it's supposed to be wet this week. But, you know, links over there. What, what wet to them versus wet to us is uh, a little bit different. So I think it'll be, it sounds like it'll be somewhere between the last two Opens. The last Open in 2014 when Rory won was probably the, the greenest and wettest that uh, they've, they've had in a while. I, I know I was kind of shocked at, at um, you know, I mean, still wasn't uh, like American Inland Golf when it rains. But it was, it was not dry. It was not dry and fast. So 
I think it'll be somewhere in between, which is which is probably just fine. I think that's enough uh, firmness, and hopefully we have a good weather week during the tournament and we get some wind. And They've got a new par three, so if it gets real windy, uh, I hear it could get a little bit freakish. So we'll see how that one plays. It's kind of a new age uh, postage stamp that will play as their 17th hole. Well, um, you know, Tiger in 2006, as I recall, never used a driver. He right. he he played strategic golf, and of course this time Rory is again a prohibitive favorite. So I wonder, is that going to take away some of Rory's advantage because he drives it, he drives it a long way, he's accurate, or how how will they play that course this year? Yeah, it's a great question, and, and we'll be watching because uh, I watched Rory more than any player at LA Country Club, and. His driving was just unbelievable. I just don't think people grasp how far and, and straight he generally hits it. Um, you know, they seize on a few misses, but my gosh, when you think you're hitting it that far, uh, you hit it that straight that often, it is a thing to see. And, um, uh, well, you know, we're just going to have to see if they take driver out of his hand. I, I hope they don't because I think the U.S. Open and, and some other tournaments have shown that, that when the players can hit driver, it brings in brings in more trouble. They get in more trouble, but it also brings out some top players who get a certain kind of mojo going like a Rory, and, and we want to see that. You don't want that old-school U.S. Open or, or, or even an Open Championship. I mean, Tiger could have hit driver uh, back at that, that Open, but his game, his game was just so good in every way. He just didn't need to. And I think he's spoken about that. Um, it just wasn't required. Uh, I think Rory kind of will push it, even <laughs> even if it's not called for, because it's just such a weapon in his bag. Jeff, uh, Rory was a runner-up last year, I guess. Well, I mean, he might have been third place. Cam Smith, and then Cameron Young, and then Rory. Who do you like to win uh, the British Open this year? Well, I, I, I definitely love his chances. Uh, and, you know, Ricky Fowler played really well at Hoylake last time, and his game is just uh, incredible right now. He is just playing some beautiful, beautiful golf. I think Cameron Smith's going to make a strong defense. He's playing well in the live event. He played beautifully at, at L.A. Um, and it's, uh, you know, and then Kepka's the one that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, I just was not impressed with the way he came in and uh, had done no homework on L.A. And the word had been out, you got to do some homework. And Hoy Lake's the place you need. It's more subtle. And same thing, you've got to you've got to know a few of the local ins and outs and what happens when the wind shifts. So uh, we'll see if he uh, gets over there and gets there early. He, he feels kind of strongly about a very light schedule and uh, not grinding so much. So... Um, Good luck with that. I think it's a mistake. I think it was shown to be a mistake at L.A., and uh, I think Hoylake's another place. You know, there's certain links over there where, you you know, Mirfield and Burkdale, very straightforward. But but Hoylake is not as intricate as the old course, but it definitely is uh, – it's got some subtlety. So we'll see what he does. And then, you know, and the other name, of course, is Scotty Scheffler. I, I, you know, you, can't, you just can't rule him out on Lynx golf right now the way he's playing. He's just got some – He's got some temperament issues with this frustration uh, with the putter, and uh, he's got to he's got to kind of calm that down. I think I saw. I mean, he had, he could have had a great week in L.A. It was a good week, but it could have been an epic week, and it just seemed to uh, get the best of him, which was kind of what we thought might happen going in. 
Jeff, uh, we got about 30 seconds. How was Jay Monahan? He's back. What was wrong with Jay Monahan? I uh, don't know. It sounds like he uh, has some some exhaustion issues and sleep apnea. Uh, I don't know though. You know, they've kept it very quiet. So he wrote a letter, and he'll be back uh, July 17th. So we'll probably see him floating around uh, Hoy Lake. I'll let you know if uh, if I get a chance to talk to him. Jeff, thank you so much for the visit. We're always love to have you on the 15th Club. Have a great trip overseas. That's Jeff Shackelford of the Quadrilateral, a golf architect and a great friend of the 15th Club. We're broadcasting live from the Deep Eddie Cabaret. Ed and Scotty, Ben will be along soon. This is the 15th Club on KLBJ, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance and by ABC Bank. Back after the news. Hi, this is Luke Wilson, and you're listening to The 15th Club with Scotty Sayers and Ed Clements on KLBJ. We're back on The 15th Club. Well, that's music from old school. Old school, that Luke our, Wilson. our friend Luke Wilson, and uh, who's listening from New York right now. The 15th Club is brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance, ABC Bank, Marty's Tex-Mex, the Naughty Deck and Bar at the Austin Renaissance. Great place to go get a cool drink. Oh, yeah. The Salt Lake Barbecue. The Muni Conservancy, we, the Muni Conservancy sponsored the Champions Dinner. We'll talk about that a little later for the Firecracker. Zilker Belts, Donald Ross Sportswear, and Edel Golf. Ed, uh, we were talking with our friend Jeff Shackelford about Jay Monahan. Yeah. And the uh, mystery. The, P, the, you know, P, the PGA Tour Commissioner. PGA yes. Tour Commissioner who's uh, had an undisclosed illness the week before the U.S. Open. Uh, just after all the controversy with the uh, future partnership that's coming for the PGA Tour, with the PI Tour, with, with PIF, the Saudis, yeah. Yeah, the public investment fund of yeah. the Saudis. And uh, all of a sudden, Jay Monahan disappears, and we certainly wish him the best. If it's, in fact, a medical issue, we don't know if it's that or a little bit uh, trying to stay out of the limelight yeah. as they work through what's going to happen. Uh, in this so-called merger or partnership. Looks like the Live Tour is going to be around next year. Scotty, I'm more confused than ever before. I know there's going to be congressional hearings, and you're right, it looks like the Live Tour is going to be around, and I think that's bad for golf. Uh, this thing has not been approached very well, but uh, there's just confusion to me. They've got to get something resolved. I think when the Ryder Cup comes around in Rome in September, I do believe we're going to see some live players on both sides, the Europeans and the American side. We're going to see some live players there. So I don't know what's going on. And the thing about Tiger this week, Tiger said, well, I wasn't in a meeting. I don't know what's going on. And Tiger has been very, very quiet for the most part this whole deal. Well, here's the thing. Congressional hearings start July 11th uh, regarding this partnership. And uh, Monahan, Jay Monahan, will not testify before the Senate committee, citing health reasons. So the COO of the PGA Tour, Ron Price, and PGA board member Jimmy Dunn, our friend Jimmy Dunn, yeah, yeah, will represent the organization. So, boy, there's a there's a lot of things that are going to be happening in the next 
couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know, Scotty. There's so many question marks about what's going on. I just want to see great golf. And sadly, and let's talk about what's going on on tour. They're playing the John Deere Classic in Illinois, the old Quad City Opens. That I believe you've been to before, with, with Ben Crenshaw. But this field is not so bueno. Brendan Todd leads at minus 16, a nice guy and a nice player. Then comes Alex Smalley, Denny McCarthy, Adam Sheck, and Peter Quest. Could you pick any of these guys out of a police lineup? Well, only because uh, Sheck and Quest were in the top ten last week. They had good tournaments last week, and I watched I watched the Rocket Mortgage Classic because of Ricky. Yeah, Ricky honestly. Do, yeah. Now, Brendan Todd did win the Byron Nelson. Okay. About Ten years ago, eight or ten years ago, and he's won two other times. He's won yeah. three times on tour. Not a complete, uh, well, he is kind of a, he's a, a bit of a vagabond. He's won $15 million on tour, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Uh, John Deere has a bit of a history of first-time winners. I think eight out of the last 20 uh, winners there have been first-time winners on the tour. Compare this with the Live Tour at the Centurion Club outside London. Cam Smith is at minus 12. Then comes Louis Stazen, Mark Leishman, Thomas Peters, and then Patrick Reed. Sergio's at minus 4. That's a damn fine field, and God bless the John Deere Classic. That field is not very good. No, but of course, Liv is playing 54 holes, shotgun start. It's a whole different deal. I wonder what the crowds are like in London. Yeah. Um, well, listen, that's a great field, though. I, they should, they, good, they should have great, great, great crowds. It's a good field. I mean, the, the cream in, in that, it's easy for the cream to rise to the top in those Liv events because of the 48 players. You really do have probably 12 or 14 players every week that could win their event. Sure. That are really good quality players. I, I wanted to ask, ask Jeff, but we ran out of time. It seems that Brooks Kepka has become surly Brooks Kepka once again. In full swing on Netflix that we saw earlier this year, he was pouting, he was moaning, oh, poor, poor, pitiful me. He wins the PGA Championship, and he's now back to being Brooks now. He was moaning again this week about, about Matthew Wolf, who's on his team, his live team, and Matthew Wolf, who has had psychological problems, depression problems. Here, Brooks Kepka attacks Matthew Wolf. What's going on in that deal? I don't have it. I mean, we don't know. Apparently, you know, the. The message originally from the Live Tour was everybody gets along great. There's no controversy. Everybody's having a great time. Well, all of a sudden, there's a couple of little cracks in the wall. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you say, I, I guess Brooks wants his team to do better. Is his, what's the name of his team? I have no clue. <laughs> Not the Crushers. Not the Crushers. Not the Four Aces. No. That's Dustin Johnson. Uh, what's Sergio's team name? I have no clue. Okay. Well, I see, the no future clue. is the team, so get with it, Ed. Speaking of Sergio, <laughs> our friend from here in Austin, uh, we both like Sergio Garcia. Very yeah. Love Angela, his wife, and love the family. Sergio, earlier this week, tried to qualify for the British Open, and he missed by a couple of shots, which is sad to me. He's going to miss the British Open for the first time in like 20-plus years. And I firmly believe, Scotty, I want to ask you this question. If Sergio were not on 
the DP Tour, excuse me, not on the, the Live Tour, and still on the DP Tour and the PJ Tour, he would have gotten a special exemption from the RNA. I don't think, honestly, Ed, I'm not sure he would have needed a special exemption. He might have had enough world ranking points or status on the DP Tour to have, to have been able to play there. Yeah, if you remember at Carnoustie, uh, not the not the John Vandeveld year, but later on, Sergio lipped out a putt on 18, or yeah. he would have been a British Open champion. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just think because he's on the Live Tour now, that especially they're they're looking with a with a bad eye to these players. But I, I, I feel for Sergio, who went over. He qualified for the U.S. Open. Did it the old-fashioned way up in Dallas. Shot 66-66, and he was leading after the first morning round uh, in some place in England. But unfortunately, he did not uh, get into the British Open, which I think sad. I still think Sergio is in the mix for the for the Ryder Cup because we we now I, I believe that Zach Johnson wants live players for the Americans, and I think Luke Donald wants the same thing. I don't know. I don't know about Luke. I mean, there's some there's some issues uh, with the the players that quit the DP Tour. So I don't know if Luke Donald's gonna gonna want to take any of those players. And Zach Johnson, you know, he's gonna have Brooks Kepka on the team uh, because Brooks will qualify, so he'll be on there anyway, most likely. Yeah. The the question for Zach Johnson is, will he use any wild card spots to take live players? Ha- have things mended enough with this so-called merger partnership uh, to where the PGA Tour is gonna say, okay, Zach? You can, you know, or the PGA of America can say, okay, Zach, you can take some live players. You're talking about DJ, Patrick Reed, and others? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's, Patrick Reed's borderline whether he would make it as a wild card anyway because he hadn't played that well this year. Uh, DJ would be a a good one. Um, There's a couple of others uh, that have certainly played well enough to be considered. Yeah. Uh, That remains to be seen, though, but look, we're only. Ten weeks from Ryder Cup, right? So they're going to have to decide pretty soon. I want to ask you, Scotty, what about Cameron Young, who was the runner-up in last year's British Open? He's now number ten on the list. They take twelve players. He's number ten versus Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, I believe, is like number twelve. Do you think Captain Zach Johnson would select Justin Thomas over Cameron Young because of the experience factor? At this point, absolutely. Wow. But they're both pretty close point-wise, and Justin Thomas has held the line with the PGA Tour. Um, I mean, Zach, Zach Johnson is all about that. He, he, wants, he to wants to win. He wants to win, but he's all about the PGA Tour. He has been a sort of an anti-Live guy or upset about the, the things that Live has caused with the friction. So... I don't know. I mean, only Zach Johnson really knows, but he's got a whole world of assistants. Uh, you know, it's 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 like always. I know Davis Love is one of his assistants. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and he, then he's got three or four others. There's an interesting thing on the European side that I want to ask you about before we go to break. Uh, Luke Donald is the captain. You know Luke Donald. Your 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 man Ben Crenshaw knows Luke Donald. Luke Donald asked to play with last week Ludwig Aberg, the Texas Tech golfer, who got an automatic 
boost to the PGA Tour because he was number one collegiate. He was the number one college player. He's now on the PGA Tour. He's playing well. Luke Donald wanted to play with him. I think it would be really cool if Luke Donald says, Ludwig, you're on this team. Where's Ludwig from? I believe he's from Sweden. Okay. Sweden or Denmark or an, uh, uh, a country in that. I believe it's Sweden. Okay. I know, he, I know he's from Lubbock. Last residence, last mailing address was Lubbock. So he'd be the first Texas Tech golfer on a Ryder Cup team? Uh, yes, he would. Okay. Mito Pereira was, <laughs> I believe, on the uh, Americas. Well, the he, President's Cup, maybe. He's a live player from Chile. Chile. But he, I believe, he, was he on the... He was on the President's Cup. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, so, okay, he, he well, went to Tech, too. Well, he might not have been. Okay, know. but you, you think that will, that will happen with Ludwig Eberg? Uh, I don't know. I think it depends on whether or not he's going to take love players. Okay. I mean, that that will open up some spots if he doesn't. Let's put it that way. This is uh, the 15th Club on KLBJ Radio, proudly brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance and by ABC Bank. I'm Ed Clements along with Scotty Sears. If you've got a question about golf, give us a buzz at 512-836-0590, 512-836-0590. When we return, we're going to talk about the firecracker. What a tournament it was last weekend and much, much more when we return to the 15th Club live from the Cabaret here on KLBJ. You're listening to the 15th Club with Ed Clements and Scotty Sayers on News Radio KLBJ. We are back on the 15th Club from the Golfers Roundtable at the Deep Eddy Cabaret, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance, ABC Bank, Salt Lake Barbecue, the Naughty Deck and Bar at the Austin Renaissance, Marty's Tex Mex, the Muni Conservancy, Adele Golf, Donald Ross Sportswear. And all our guests on the show get a belt from Zilker Belts. The John Deere Classics go underway today in Moline, Illinois, and Brendan Todd is the leader at minus 16. Alex Smalley, Denny McCarthy, and Adam Shecker at minus 15. And Peter Quest, brother of Johnny Quest, is at minus 14. Now they're playing the Live Tour at the Centurion Club in London. Cam Smith, who won last year's British Open, is at minus 12. Louis Oosthuizen is at minus 9, along with Mark Leishman and Thomas Peters of Belgium. Patrick Reed from Georgia and the USA is at minus 8. And our friend Sergio Garcia is at minus 4. I'll tell you what, Ed, none of those can hold a candle to what went on at Lyons Municipal last week. Concluding on Monday, on the 3rd of July... We crowned a new firecracker champion, Nick Schaefer, young man that's been in Austin for about six years uh, from William and Mary, played golf there. Wow. Good player. I was out with um, our friend Ben Crenshaw was there most of the day, and we watched. There was a four-way tie for the lead as they turned to 18, and a lot of spectators out watching. But um, Nick Schaefer ended up 15 under par and he hit it stone cold on uh, number 18, hit about two inches from the hole, made birdie, and won the 2023 Firecracker. Jonathan Alden, who finished uh, second last year, was again second this year. Wow. He bogeyed 17, had an eagle putt on 18 that did not go in, so he was one back. 
Yeah. A lot of players played good. Um, your prediction, Austin Cotton, he was top ten. Um, Alex Ellis, of course, he's always in the running, former champion. Uh, Jack Sersomino, uh, he, he played he good played like well, he yeah. always does. Yeah. He always does. And earlier in the week before the firecracker started, you and I were honored to be asked to host the Champions Dinner. So much fun because it was a who's who of Austin Golf, Scotty. It was. There were 20 past champions uh, representing 34 uh, firecracker championships out of the 76 that had been played since 1946. And stories, uh, Ed, you did such a good job going around the room, uh, getting stories from the likes of uh, Doug Nelly, who won three times. Uh, Randy Petrie was there, who won three times. Sonny Rhodes. Sonny Rhodes, who won at age 17 in 1958. Uh, Billy Claggett and Alex Ellis had organized this dinner, and Billy, of course, won six times. Yeah. Uh, Mason Atkins was there, who won a couple of times. A, a great Longhorn, Mason Atkins. Won. Yeah. yeah, and Omar Uresti, another, yeah. another Longhorn player, and Omar told some great stories. He really he really did. Uh, ben Clements is joining us now. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm good, guys. Uh, Jeff Shackelford was just on from Los Angeles. We talked about the Scottish Open that starts Thursday from the Renaissance Club than the British Open. It's going to be fun a couple of weeks because I love to see the golf early in the morning. Yeah, I do too, Pop. And real quick, uh, back to the firecracker. Scotty, you've been in Austin uh, basically your whole life besides a, a quick stint in Dallas, but kind of tell the, the listeners about the, you know, the history of the firecracker and being arguably the most prestigious amateur tournament in Texas and how it brings people from all around the state to Lions Media to play in this tournament. Well, the fact that it was established in 1946, you, th you go back to that time in Texas and there weren't quite as many municipal golf courses. Uh, Austin had a lot of really, really fine players, starting with the first winner, Dudley Kruger, and then uh, you, you had Claude Wild Jr. who won three of them. These are names that don't mean anything to a lot of young golfers now. But then you get into the Randy Petries, the Ben Crenshaws, the Tom Kites, and, and names just throughout the history of the tournament. But people came from all over the state to play here. And it's, it's not like, you know, your local, you know, club tournament where you have all the members playing or even a regular amateur tournament in the state. This is a tournament where if you're not shooting in the low 60s consistently for three days, you're not going to place. It is a very good tournament where players are are above average phenomenal players. Dan, the first winner was a guy named Dudley Kruger. He was a janitor at the University of Texas who loved Muni, who played Muni well. He would tee the ball up on a pencil, and he was an amazing, amazing player, possibly one of the most dynamic players in Austin golf history, Scotty, but he had a, with a, had a battle with the bottle, and the bottle won, but Dudley Kruger <laughs> was a legendary player. A lot of great characters. Roan Pewitt was there who won a couple of firecrackers, and he won five men's city championships. And Barbara, his wife, who won six women's championships, we gave her a special yes. invite to come to the champion's dinner. And Roan, in his own humble way, instead of talking about himself, he talked about playing with Walter Benson, another great uh, champion of the firecracker, said he was the best ball striker he ever played with. And Roan played with Morris Williams and, and watched all the people that Harvey taught. So... Ben, it is a it's a great legacy for the tournament and uh, and it'll continue. These young guys that come out and play now, 
uh, boy, they were good, and you had to shoot 74 just to get in. And also, uh, you know, another thing about the firecracker is it's a tournament where it can't be played anywhere else. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Well, they played if, it one time at, what, what, Jimmy Clay or Morris Williams? Well, it? they did when, when Muni was under con, you know, construction yeah. in the... In the mid 70s yeah but it's another reason why we have to save muni because without muni there is no firecracker and they're they're one and the same they're 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 not you can't one can't survive without the other and if there's no muni there will be no more firecracker which means there'll be no more of the best amateur tournament in texas i agree and this tradition ed thanks for helping out it's a great new tradition and uh, congratulations to Nick Schaefer. It'll be his his night next year. Scott Kelly, the defending champion, started out with a 78, came back with 63-64, nearly, nearly got back into the mix. On the second day, he was 11 under par playing the Hogan hole. He was about to break the record that Jay Reynolds has there. But he bogeyed 16 and then bogeyed 18. Wow. I'm, I'm telling you, he was playing some golf. He'll be back, too. Pretty pretty special. Very, yeah. very, very special. Yeah. Uh, we talked to Jeff Shackelford, Ben. Jay Monahan is back, PGA Tour Commissioner. Do you have any insight? What was ailing Jay Monahan? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think it was, a, it was an illness. I think it was a <laughs> let me hide under this rock and let this die down because, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but... I feel like the live talk is kind of it's subdued in the past few weeks. They had the big, you know, news cycle. They're not really talking about it too much right now. So he, I think he finally figured out that he can poke his head back out of his house and say, is, is, the, is the smoke cleared? All right, I'm back. Yeah. As we, we talked about the leaderboard at uh, the Quad Cities Open, uh, better known now as the John Deere, I told you Peter Quest is two shots out of the lead. Peter Quest's brother was Johnny Quest, and Johnny Quest's best friend was Haji. It was Haji. <laughs> so we had a we had. A, you don't know what we're talking about, do you? No, we had a text question. Uh, from what our was Bob what Kenny. was Johnny Quest's best friend? It was Haji. What did the Quad City Opens used to be called? The Amana. Amana. The Ed McMahon Quad Cities Open. Wow. Okay, we got to take a break. <laughs> we're going to break for the news, but after the news, Ben and I will talk uh, with the End Zone Club. The Phil, Phil Steele top 25 is out. The debut of Victor Wanyamama of the Spurs and UIO money, NIL money at UT. Back after the news on KLBJ. <laughs> 